Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Ryan Hogan, founder of Hunt a Killer. And if you want to learn more about how to produce world-class relationships, you should be listening to Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Today, I'm sitting down with Ryan Hogan. Ryan is the co-founder and CEO of Hunt a Killer, an innovative gaming company that delivers clues, items, and correspondence to your doorstep that creates an interactive and immersive story for its members. To date, Hunt a Killer has sold over 1 million boxes, surpassed 100,000 subscribers, and has doubled revenue two years in a row without outside investors with continued growth expected. Guys, this is going to be such an amazing conversation. I find this business model super, super interesting and really excited to get into some of the tactics that Ryan is going to share. But first, really quickly, if you're listening right now and you're a six, seven-figure entrepreneur and you know that a podcast would have a tremendous impact on your business, but you're just not sure exactly how to put it together and you don't have the time, team, or resources to figure it all out, then have me and my team build it for you. Head over to travischapel.com slash podcast. There's a quick application there and then we'll jump on a phone call to see if you would be a right fit for us to build out a show for you. That way you can focus on what you're good at, which is servicing your clients and customers. And we can focus on what we're good at, which is building world-class podcasts. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. Ryan, what is up, man? Thanks so much for taking the time. 
Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me, Travis. Yes, sir. So let's go ahead and build some context, man. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of how all this stuff started. And let's even go a little bit further back than that. Let's go like junior high Ryan, 12, 13-year-old <laughs> Ryan. Talk to me about family life, school, academic sports. What were you up to back then? Yeah, um, it, that's uh, it's really interesting, really interesting story. And very much my childhood was all about being being scatterbrained and the class clown and, and just having a hard time focusing on things that, that weren't of that weren't of any interest for me. You know, I think from an, an entrepreneurship standpoint or a creation standpoint, you know, it, it was really those early days where I started to understand that this was my path and, and this was my journey. And this goes back to third grade when I was selling creepy crawlers, which if you remember those things, it was the Easy Bake Oven. Bro, uh, no way. Seriously? Yeah. I yeah. did the same exact thing. It's awesome. The creepy crawly so cool. oven. Yeah. I brought them to school and I sold them to the other kids. And I, yes. would do, I, I would do, I would charge more if they were like multicolored. I'd be like, this one's like a USA flag. Like this one's 50 cents or whatever. You know what I mean? That is awesome. That's we hilarious. Have, we have the same exact store. <laughs> because <laughs> that's that's you're exactly right so like i i would make i would make colors and i would sell the the colored ones for 10 cents um <laughs> but if they wanted custom if they wanted like you know to, to build their own that would be 25 to 50 cents and i would take that's those orders so during the funny, day and take man. them back home that's, that's, that's awesome it's so funny because i always have to I, I explain it the like literally the exact same way you just said it is the same way i explain it every time is like you remember the easy bake ovens like my sister had one of those and i wanted one but so my parents got me the boy version which was baking creepy crawly bugs nope. that's hilarious man okay so so you you uh you were obviously already really good friends at this point so um, <laughs> we've known each other another forever this is great <laughs> all right, all right. Sorry, sorry to interrupt all right go ahead go ahead no and and that's really you know that was third grade for me that was mrs price's class and eventually that got shut down you know and and uh, i couldn't sell creepy crawlers anymore so so i i was out of that gig but it never really stopped you know it's always been about you know we used to print off we called our our company lawnmower men and we'd print off these official flyers and we drop them off on on, um, on folks houses and, and we start cutting lawns and then winter time would come and, and no you didn't are you serious same, same? Same. Same, bro. Same. <laughs> no joke. Landscaping business was was business number two for me. It was in there. It school. is. Yep. Yeah. Where are you from? I'm from Southern California. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, L.A. Yeah. County area. Yeah. What about you? I grew up in the Baltimore area, and okay. so I guess fortunately for me, you got to cut lawns uh, year round. Um, mm -hmm. We cut lawns half the year, and then we shoveled snow the other half. Gotcha, um, gotcha. But yeah, I mean that's that's really where my journey started, and I guess 15, 20, 30 businesses later, a lot of failures, a bankruptcy. I mean, just a lot of, a lot of struggles and a lot of lessons learned, um, yeah. you know, really took us on this path to hunt the killer. How many MLMs? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> thankfully, no MLMs. Um, okay. Got it. Got I, I got it. into like Hulk and t-shirt. I was buying things from discount stores and then flipping them on eBay. Was this all throughout like high school or is this like young adult life, college? What, what What's the timeline here? That would have been young adult life. I joined the military. I've been in the United States Navy since 2002. I spent 15 years active duty. Oh. Um, and then I actually separated from active duty in 2017. So now I'm a reservist. I got out because, well, for a lot of reasons. But one is that that hunter killer was to a place that, that could support the family and, and yeah. the life. And so you know, I felt it was my time to depart, but still continue to serve in the reserves. But you know, the, the hawking t-shirts and I, I developed this brand called Warwear. You know, this stuff was done when I was young and enlisted Navy air crewmen and, and flying on helicopters and, and trying to launch business ideas at the same time. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a solid job to have though, to like test out a bunch of different business ideas on the side. No, it is. And you know, it's, what's really interesting is, is there's this perception and there or this, there's this thing that said is like, you're not a real entrepreneur if you have a day job. And, and I just think that's complete horse crap. I think there is no better time to start a company if you have a day job because mm-hmm. you, you've hedged your risk, you can continue to put food on the table and you have to work twice as hard, which you should have to work twice as hard to get something off the ground. But the idea that people shouldn't be allowed or, or it's looked down upon, you're not a real entrepreneur if you have a full-time job while you're getting your business off the ground, I think that's a bunch of a bunch of malarkey. So, yeah. you know, I, and that's that's how we've created this, uh, you know, not only this company, but I, I had another company called Run for Your Lives. It was the the first ever zombie infested 5K obstacle course race. It grew very fast. We scaled it nationwide back in 2011, 12 and 13. It crashed and burned even faster than it grew, which which was unfortunate, you know, but I did that while I was active duty with a, a great business partner. Talk to me about the couple of the lessons that you learned through, I mean, what what is that, a decade plus of- of hustling and failing and hustling and making some money and doing well, seeing some success and then and then crashing and burning in your own words there. Like talk to me about some of the top lessons that you took away during that time and what was the thing that just kept you going at it? I think the, the biggest lesson learned and it, like it, there's probably two big lessons. The, the first is starting the business. The second is scaling the business. And, and the, the first was starting the business is not getting stuck on your idea. You know, I, I think I can look at at a handful of concepts or ideas that I had, and, and I stuck with them too long because I was so wrapped up in, and this is the most brilliant idea ever. Everybody's going to love it, and I just refused to accept that. You know, that my baby was ugly. That's a tough lesson learned. But the earlier you can learn that, the mm-hmm. more you can scale. And, and how I look at business today is very much like it's a vehicle, right? And so, like you should have your own personal goals, and those personal goals, the the vehicle to achieve them is the business, and your business only exists for customers. And so the only thing that a business should be doing is continuing to iterate and pivot and improve based upon the customer feedback that's coming through the door. Mm-hmm. And, you know, spending a, a year, year and a half, two years developing a concept or thinking about it and, and getting lost in the, the fun of that, it's really an easy way to, to just keep delaying the inevitable to yeah. find product market fit. So, you know, that, that would be probably the biggest lesson learned is if you build it, they don't necessarily come. Yeah, and, no kidding. And, you need to figure that out early and and just keep launching and keep pushing ideas through until you find one that sticks. And then the, the second lesson, this this is probably very much the run for your lives, the, the both the success and the failure part of it is you've got to put the right team in place. You need the right network. You need the right mentors. I'm sorry, I'm sorry you said you need the right you need the right what? The right mentors, the right network. Yes, um, that's exactly what I'm looking for here, man. Like this is yeah. this is build your network. We talk so much about this relationship stuff and how crucial, how vital it is to hedging your bets and having guidance in a path that you've never been down before. You're absolutely right, and that's that's the tough lesson I learned. That once I finally found a business, so let's let's say that was the the tenth business that, that I actually pushed through, or actually had an LLC for, you know, and mm-hmm. and that was the one that that started to gain traction, found product market fit, and we scaled. And I forgot the second step, which is bringing in the right people to help you manage a business, especially when you don't know necessarily what you're doing. Hmm. And we had a lot of blind spots at that point. And we were taking a business from zero to 10 million bucks in about 24 months. Wow. Um, and we made every mistake you can make in the book up until the point of running out of money. Yeah. Um, this episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with 
Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Did you raise money for that? Or was this like sales that you were making that you, you so you had a good runway and then it was just like all of a sudden you just realized that you weren't making enough sales to sustain it? Like what, what do you think the, the reason was for the exponential growth and then the complete lack of growth afterwards? There's a couple of things. And, you know, I, I think the first is, um, to answer your first question, we've never raised a dime, it, not with, with Run For Your Lives, not with Hunt a Killer. I've never personally raised any equity money for a business. I've tried, but I've been unsuccessful in it. And <laughs> yeah. I, I think it, it's actually been better for a us blessing. to figure yeah, it out. Sure. Yeah, because I promise you, if we would have raised 5 million bucks or, or 10 million bucks for this company, it would be gone. We would have invested into growth or, or other ideas or R&D, and we'd be in the same position today, which is, you know, it's always trying to figure out where yeah. the next opportunity or idea is coming from. Yeah, we need more um, money now. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And for Run For Your Lives, it was a couple of things. First, you know, we, we definitely had the runway that we needed. We had money coming through the door. And when money was coming through the door, we were mismanaging it. And so whether it was the strategic relationships that we had with the venues themselves, where we should have been paying, you know, 10, 15,000 to rent a hundred acre property for a weekend where we were spending a certain percentage. And sometimes those checks were $200,000. Like wow. our, our first ever SoCal event, it was a, a $2 million event for us. And we had a 10% cut with the venue, which was just this lake campground site. Um, and they walked away with $200,000. And it was not making prudent, disciplined decisions when money was coming through the door. And then ultimately, money stopped coming through the door. And that, that was based upon, one, the market was becoming saturated. And I, I think you saw, you saw some last, some adventure races last longer than others. Sure. You know, Tough Mudder made it five years past where Hunt, or, uh, Run for Your Lives got. Warrior Dash made it four years past. But ultimately, like the industry itself just got saturated and people found mm -hmm. other things to do. So we didn't make the right decisions when money was coming through the door. When money stopped coming through the door, <laughs> we were um, not in a good spot. 
Yeah. Looking back, what would have been one of the decisions that you would have made in terms of like trying to fix the problem of mismanaging the money? Like what is a good CFO hire something that you would consider at this point? Like what would be the thing that you think would have helped you, you know, obviously maybe not save the company because maybe the market just wasn't there anymore. But what do you think would be the thing that you would do if you were in that position now, knowing what you know now? If I were to do it all over again with the the hindsight, the two biggest things I would do differently. The first is I would have brought in someone to run operations right after our first event. We waited about 24 months to bring someone in that was a seasoned professional in the event industry that runs operations. That was probably 23 months too late by the time we got him through the door. Gotcha. And so before we ever scaled the company or started to put our stake in the ground for the second event, I would have hired someone that had 15 plus years of, of event industry experience and general manager experience. And then the second thing, because I don't think anything could have stopped the market from drying up, is I I would have tried to diversify as quickly as possible. And we've made a lot of those better decisions with Hunt a Killer, and we Mm -hmm. can get into that as well. But we've made a lot of those decisions from the lessons learned from a lot of these failures from the past. Yeah. And by diversify, you're meaning like integrate various product offerings that might be in your same vertical? You're exactly right. So, you know, more stuff that the market wants that is is diversification of revenue. And, you know, for instance, Hunt the Killer, we're finally in our fourth year of business now. You know, we have a relationship with Target. So we've got a retail box that'll be sitting on the shelves of Target come this fall. Um, awesome. we're, we're working with Lionsgate on some uh, strategic initiatives, taking intellectual property that already exists and translating that into immersive stories. You know, we're working on technology. So how can we take this experience that we've created and figure out a way to, you know, supplement it or even find different creative ways to distribute it via um, bits instead of carriers. So we're looking at a lot of different things, but these are all things because, you know, we've paid the price in the past. Yeah, and definitely uh, maybe some uh, looking into virtual reality plays, I assume. Yeah, <laughs> if my uh, if if our chief product officer listens to this and I agree with you with the virtual reality, he will never let me live it down. So I will <laughs> say that that virtual reality is a is a a ten year project. For yeah, us. sure. Yeah, of course. Um, and I think what's more immediate is more like you know AR and and different things that that we can mm. do with you with an app or with your cell phone and charge right. the same. You know, look at at the Hulu's, look at the Netflixes. You know, these are six dollar a month subscriptions, and it is the consumption of content. And we're looking to do something very similar, except the way that we tell our stories is it makes you a character. It puts you inside of the story. And so it's not just about consuming it visually. It's about all of the different touch points that make you feel like this is real. So, you know, I think that's going to be our start. And then VR is is probably 10 years from now. Yeah, sure. What do you specifically spend your time on now these days in terms of like the overarching, you know, day-to-day operations of the business? What do you do on a, you know, day-to-day basis? Yeah, it's been changing a lot lately, you know, and it's been changing a lot for a variety of reasons. One of the first reasons is we just started to put after four years, you know, what we've realized is that we really need structure and process. You know, we're we're taking this, this startup or this company that was very much a baby and and crawling. And now our baby is starting to, to go through adolescence. And in that maturity, you know, not only do we need the right talents inside, we need the right structure and processes. And so we started to roll out entrepreneurial operating system EOS. And it's kind of restructured, even me, it's restructured me and and how I think about what my day-to-day or what my role is inside the organization. And so to give you a, a, for instance, you know, some of the things that I've done for the past few months 
has been reaching out to customers directly. And so, you know, I spent, uh, gosh, I, I had the, I had the total, I think it was like 1300 minutes or 1400 minutes um, on the phone with members over the past couple months. Wow. And, and this was really to just one-on-one phone calls and just understanding, you know, what's going right, what's going wrong, how can we continue to improve? I'm very much working on bigger picture items. We have the launch with Lionsgate that's that's coming in September. And so I'm working with the marketing team on that plan. But it's really just kind of looking at the things that I feel like I am world-class at and then helping different initiatives inside of the organization with those. What were some of the first hires that you made when you were starting to see some growth? When we first started to see some growth. Like what so would you say are like okay. the key hires that you got to have? You know what I mean? Like the people that, if you have the skill set that's similar to yours, Ryan, like you're more the CEO, you're more like, you know, envisioning the future and talking to customers and, and trying to make the product overall a better experience and just doing more of those types of, of responsibilities. What are some of the key roles that you just made? Like this company would not exist. It would not be able to grow if we didn't hire these few people. Yeah. And I, I think the first acknowledgement I have to, I have to give is my co-founder and not that my co-founder was a hire, but my co-founder, and it's the same co-founder that I had in Run For Your Lives, but he has been a perfect balance for me. And in the very early days when I was worried about marketing and business and growth and, and how do we, you know, how do we build the, the very best business? He was very product. He's the creative guy. So he's the storyteller. And it was all about like, you know, I don't know how to write some um, pages and pages and, and create these immersive stories stories. That is his forte. And so finding somebody that fills in those gaps, I think is important in the early days. And then, you know, what he was doing during that time and his most critical hires were building an amazing team of writers and graphic designers around him to help him to continue to create this product. And I think as a company, once we get outside of the, the product and the marketing roles, you know, our first real hire for this company was operations. Mm. We needed somebody to come in because at, at that point we were shipping, I, I think we were shipping about a thousand boxes, probably about a thousand boxes a week. And we didn't know what we were doing. Like at, at a certain point, Derek was shipping these out of his basement. Long story there, there's some really funny stories about him shipping yeah. out of his basement, but we had to find somebody to come in and, and help us source, help us procure, help us manage inventory and help us get it out the door. And that was the first hire. Yeah. So the first hire that you wish you would have made in your first company, your first big company was the hire that you're glad you, that you did make in the second one. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think and we've learned this. I've learned this throughout a, a couple of my businesses is that you can't stop once you like once you fill a position. What's what's very interesting is, is the rate at which you scale your company it is also the rate of change in which your organizational structure is going through. So, uh, for instance, if you hire somebody uh, to run your operations and you are shipping a thousand boxes a week, when you are shipping 35,000 boxes a week, like we are today, there is probably a different construct. There is probably a, a different organizational structure. And so this is something that even once you, you fill those key positions in the early days, you have to keep reevaluating and you have to keep reevaluating even faster based upon how fast you're growing. Yeah, that's so, so good. I want to keep asking you questions about business, but I do want to make sure that we talk about the networking side of things because that's what the show is really all about. And it's obviously sprinkled throughout your entire journey, your entire story here. So the question I asked to get this moving in that direction is who you know or what you know, Ryan, which of those two is more important and why? 
Yeah, it's it's all about it's all about who you know, um, because you can't know everything, right? So I, I think the the trap answer of like what you know, well, if I knew everything, then you know, then maybe we can make this happen. But that's that's not the reality. Like you, yeah. you are you're probably best in the world at at one or two different things. You can probably get by on on a, a few others, but you have to bring people inside of the organization. You have to find mentorship. You have to be able to, I just feel like your network just is a multiple. Like if you're best in the world at at marketing, but you're not really all that great at operations. Well, if you have a mentor that is in operations, like not only can they help you make strategic decisions and kind of look over your shoulder, but they can also make recommendations as far as like people in their network that may be looking for a job. So Hmm. um, I would go with network all day long. Yeah. I I mean, I totally agree. Obviously, that's why I have this show. Can you think back in your time, your career, maybe like a story that you could tell us where you were not intending on a certain relationship to end up you know, bringing a lot of good things into your life, but it just kind of ended up happening that way. I don't know, that's kind of a vague question, but if you have any examples or stories of that, I would love to hear that. Yeah, I, I think that a good story for this would be our current COO. And if you're into EOS, he's our, he's our integrator and his name is Josh Holly. Josh Holly is also a vet. He was, or I guess you're supposed to say is a Marine, but he, he served in the Marine Corps. And um, I was actually at a networking event back in 2015. Um, and it was a veteran-based, it was like an incubator. It's, it's called Patriot Bootcamp. It's sponsored by Techstars. Okay, and cool. I went to Chapel Hill. I was working on another business at that time, which, which went nowhere. But I, I wound up networking down there and I met Josh. Josh and, and another guy down there that I met named Mike, like we started collaborating on this business idea I had at the time and it just didn't go anywhere. And, th- and that's okay. That's life. Things are going to happen and, and that's going to happen. But, you know, I stayed in touch with, with everybody that I met down there back in 2015 and, you know, fast forward to 2018, Josh was helping us out and doing some consulting and other things for us. What he quickly realized is that he could add more value um, and so he took a train up to Baltimore. He was in um, in North Carolina, I think, at the time. He took a train to Baltimore to learn more about what we were doing and where he thought he, we could help. And today he's our COO. And and you know that all started at at a veteran business networking event and or uh, an incubator. Um, and it's something that that's just carried forward. You know what? Five five years now. Yeah. And now he's our COO. And you know we've we're still around and we're still operating. And, and I, <laughs> yeah. I think that a lot of that's because of him. That's a perfect example, man. I love asking that question because that is the hardest thing for me when it comes to trying to convince people about the importance of relationship building and networking. Yeah. Is that it's so abstract. Like if you look back to the beginning of that relationship, there was no way that you would have been able to say, you know, I'm going to meet this person. And in a few years from now, I'm going to be working on a totally different business has nothing to do with what I'm doing right now. And we're going to connect on this really cool level right now, which is going to enable us to be able to continue building a relationship down the road. And then he's going to come on to my COO and we're going to make millions of dollars together. Like there's just no way you can plan that out. And that's the whole point of of networking and relationships, man, is like you got to put in the time and you have to do it on purpose and you have to get around good quality people and trust that it's going to be a good result in the future. Yeah. And I think there's, there's so much information overload nowadays and like we're very impatient creatures. Yeah. And I I think I, and I fall into this trap a lot too, which is like you're, sometimes it's, it's very easy to get caught up in the, like I'm networking, but what's the point? And there's nothing coming from these relationships, but you know, we have, we have raised debt 
and you know we have funded a part of this business with with debt and we've got um, a brex card and and so like we have found ways to to continue to bootstrapping and grow this company mm -hmm. um but but what's been interesting about this is like a lot of these debt vehicles have came from people in my network which was like an introduction from an introduction from an introduction from someone that i knew two <laughs> years ago and yeah. just happened to catch up with and like and then you close it and you're like how the hell did that happen um i, I agree with you it's it's very powerful Look, man, uh, we got to meet up in person sometime and uh, kick it for a bit, but uh, we're running out of time here on this interview specifically. As we get things wrapped up here, where can people go online to connect with you the most, Ryan? Yeah, I think LinkedIn would be the, the best. It's just forward slash Ryan E. Hogan. Yeah, Ryan E. Hogan. Perfect. So Ryan E. Hogan over on LinkedIn. And then go check out Hunt a Killer, guys. Like this is such a cool way to spend an evening instead of sitting in front of Netflix and watching TV or something like that. If you've ever done like an escape room or something like that, these boxes have a very similar feel, very similar uh, vibe to those types of things. And it'll be a really good way to spend the evening with your family. So go check out Hunt a Killer and go follow Ryan and some of the work that he's doing. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. Had a blast chatting with you. Awesome. Thanks, Travis. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.